to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Today's first question, I guess today's question, comes to us via at Sean Cord. Yeah, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Tony has asked us to do our top ten movies from the 60s, so that's what we're going to do. Yep. Because that never leads to it being more than one question. It's Our top ten is an hour and a half in itself. Yeah, so. usually. Although it's really hot today, it is. so we so might we be a little faster. might fly through this. By our half-hour-long podcast. <laughs> uh, this, this, yeah. <laughs> this, this. We're going outside. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, top ten movies from the 60s. I can still do a top ten of this particular decade. We're getting into that gray area where it's like, I might be able to do 50s. Beyond that... You could do 50s. I'm not I'm sure. sure you could do yeah. 50s. And if we have to do, like, pre-50s for your sake, fine. I chalked another into my 40s canon yesterday. Ooh. But, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I would be fine every decade, period. But if we have to go from, like, 1949 backward for you... I feel like that's what we're gonna have to do. Or maybe delay it a bit and just be like, Hey, Dave, here's a bunch of stuff you'll like from the 40s, and here's some Chaplin movies. Yeah. And then... Dan and I'm... But, yeah. I can still do the 60s, and I'm pretty p- confident about my ability to do the 50s. Yeah. And obviously, we will go forward, those of you who have asked us to do 2000s. Once we get... Once we go to the back... To the recesses of film, we'll go up to the, to the more modern stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway... So, uh, Dave gets to go first, having guessed the Dutch Renaissance painter, I was thinking. Yeah, it was Bruegel the Elder, guys. Come so, on. I mean... I should have gone a little rarer, I guess, but <laughs> whatever. Here we are. So, I, so my goal first, I guess, then, hey? My goal first, I guess, then. Words are hard. See, it's I, like, really hot today. I transitioned into it really <laughs> easy for you, and then you tried to, like, carry that, uh, and it didn't go. Ocean's Eleven is my honorable mention number one. Okay. Um, I prefer the original, or the, the remake, just because... It's more fun. It is more fun. Um, it's not Dean Martin singing the same song every 45 minutes. And then minutes. Sammy Davis Jr. singing the same song. Like, it's... it's <laughs> this one's only okay. <laughs> pay, just pay for another one of your own songs. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so... It's it's a fun movie, and I could, I could see why this one warranted a remake, because the remake... Is better than the original, yeah. which doesn't often happen. Um, what I love, the reason why this one made my honorable mention was because I really love the ending. Yeah, it's a better ending than the remake. It is a way better ending. There's, it's, it, it ends on more of a down note, which yeah. is, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I don't mind, um, like I don't mind happy endings. We've talked about that before. Yeah, but, we did a podcast on that. Yeah, but this one, there's, there's just, and I don't want to ruin it because I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie. No. So I'm not going to ruin the ruin the the ending by by saying what happens, but it is certainly a little bit more depressing and not nearly as yeah not not nearly as Hollywoodized, I guess. Yeah. So that's why it's not in my top ten, but why I figured I should still talk about it. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, my first honorable mention is 2001: A Space Odyssey. Uh, it's a masterpiece. It's glorious. Mm-hmm. This is another decade like the 70s where my short list is longer than some of my other lists are. Right. <laughs> so it's tough. Yeah. It doesn't make it in because I have to be in the right mood for it. Okay. It just, there, and it does drag on occasion. So it's just like, okay, great. We're on the moon. This walk takes four and a half minutes. Right. I'm going to go make a sandwich and then the movie will start again. I was, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my PVR. Because I think you watched it. I remember you tweeting something about 2001 and how much you love that movie. And like, I do. I PVR'd that one. 
So I was going to watch it the other day, but I had like two and a half hours, and it was like three hours, and I thought, okay, I can't watch this one right now. I'm going to save it for when I have time to actually watch it. Yep. So it's one of those ones where it is soon to happen, but it just hasn't happened yet. Well, and like, I'm sure you'll like it. The monolith stuff's great. Mm-hmm. All of Hal is amazing. Well, and I know so much of it because of all the cultural references that il- yep. allude to 2001 Space Odyssey. Simpsons make tons of references to it. Family Guy. Like, everybody makes references to it because it is such a Hallmark film. Exactly. But you do need to be in the right frame of mind, and it does. Like, be ready for it when you watch it the first time. There will be a senior where you're like, yeah, okay, in a modern movie this would be 25 seconds, but this is Kubrick, so it's going to take five minutes. Right. And I've, I've kind of prepared myself for that, and so that's why I know, like, I'll watch it when I have the time. Have the three hours, have a half an hour to just be like, uh, uh, and then, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, my second honorable mention, because that's kind of how we've done it now, is we have two honorable mentions, and then yep. we go to our top ten. My second one is the producers. Great. Mel Brooks came so close to cracking his way into another top ten of mine, but <laughs> I just... The rest of my top ten is too good, and... It's been a long time since I've seen the producers. That's fair. Uh, so I feel like it might be if it, but I bet you I haven't seen it since high school. So it's been. Do you prefer the remake? I really do like the remake. I love Nathan Lane. I love Matthew Broderick. It's it's really hard to to not like that new one. It's such a good version of the producers mm-hmm. because they took some of the weird out of it and they punched up some of the camp. Exactly. Which made it really silly. Yeah. Like, Keep It Gay in the new one is an amazing song. Yeah. I still remember introducing you to that song. <laughs> it's so weird. It is so weird. I like, in the original, the and I can't remember if they do it, I'm sure they do it in the in the modern, but the, the, the swastika pinwheel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, stuff like that. I was just like, and that's why I was like, it's, it's close. It edged out Midnight Cowboy, and I was like, yeah, this is a way better movie than Midnight Cowboy, so it has to make my honorable mention, but it just can't make my, my top ten. No, so. fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second honorable mention, and I just want to give a shout-out to the Pink Panther. Nice. Because I love the original Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. It's a great Peter Sellers movie. It's just, it's so strange. It spawned so many sequels. And remakes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the Steve Martin ones are fine. Yeah. The Roberto Benini one was weird. Right, I forgot he did one. He did a Son of the Pink Panther, where right. he's, like, Clouseau's kid. Right. Which was odd. Yeah. But, no, it's just, it's fun. That's fair. So that's why it's there. Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the honorable mentions are for the ones that's like, these aren't necessarily on the list, but they're close, or they deserve being recognized yeah. as being a good movie from this decade. Just not necessarily going to make it into my actual list. Well, and I'm basically going to do the same thing that I did for the 70s for my shout-out at the end, where here's everything else that is shortlisted that's probably as good and on a certain day could make the honorable sure. mentions list. and that's, that's exactly so it. Just... With these lists, they're always... Like, I've got my 10. Now, on another day, this 10 could be in a different order. Yeah. Not my top three. Yeah. But... Those are pretty much... But then you see something else... From exactly. the 60s. Yeah. From the 70s, and you're like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my number 10 is The Jungle Book. Okay. It's one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. Yeah. Uh, the story is phenomenal. Rudyard Kipling, how can you go wrong with something like that? I love, is it, it's King Louie, right? Yep. Okay. 
because there's a King Eddie pub in Calgary, and I always am like, it's not King Eddie, because that's the pub in Calgary. It's King Louie. I love yeah. him. I love Bagheera and, like, the Bare Necessities. Everybody knows that song. Baloo. Baloo. Everything about that. And then Shere Khan is, and and Sir Hiss is from Robin Hood, so it's Ka. Ka the Snake. Ka, yeah. Yeah, like, great villains. Yep. And it makes you, like, terrified of tigers, which is probably for the best, because they're terrifying creatures. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't ever plan on being in an African jungle, but if it ever happens, I'll be on the lookout for tigers, probably because of the Jungle Book. Or something. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I can't imagine I'll be there on my own. Like, if I'm in an African jungle on my own, I have a lot more to worry about than tigers. Like, how I got there in the first place is... Are there still tigers in Africa? I don't know. So maybe if you are by yourself in the jungle, keep an eye out for some other things, too. That's fair. (laughs) Well, yeah, it wouldn't be like, oh, well, like, I don't think there's bears in Africa, are there? I don't believe there are. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's kind of a hodgepodge of of creatures here, but, like, I'd see some other terrifying animal and be like, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm on the lookout for tigers. Like, I'd still be (laughs) wary of anything else I see in the jungle, but it's just look out for predators, I guess, and things that want to eat you. Other than bears and panthers. They're sure. nice. Obviously, they're really friendly. Because <laughs> if we know anything, black panthers are just the best. Yeah. Yeah, and totally nurturing. Yep. Yeah, and I totally didn't read a story on CBC today about a grizzly bear who attacked a, a guy and his wife out in Wipris. That totally didn't happen. No, of yeah. course not. Bears are adorable. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if we've learned anything from that guy who has a bear in a swimming pool... Bears are nothing but cute. Yep. So, and you believe everything that we see on the internet. This was on my short list. Uh, Jungle Book was? Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, my number 10, however, is The Apartment. Ah! Which is on Dave's PBR. It is on my PBR. <laughs> and I saw it, I was looking at a list of movies from the 60s, like, damn it! Yeah. Oh, I need to watch that movie. And I wanted to before this week so I could talk about it, but I just... Didn't get in to the it. last week, it just hasn't happened. So, yep. but I've yeah, I you've told me about it. It's on my list, and like again, I think I came close to watching it, but it's like two and a half hours. Like damn it, or maybe not. I can't remember. I don't think it is two and a half hour, or you might have it recorded from TCM at two and a half hours. But the last like twenty five minutes is like a short that, and here's a behind the scenes thing, and yeah, I bet you that's it. And so I was like, well, I don't have time for this. Had I known that it was only a two hour long movie with a half hour of extra fluff at the end, well, but you might get to see one of those sweet dog exploitation films where they're all wearing clothes and being forced to stand on their hind legs and do weird stories, like a bunch of Rory Calhouns, like a bunch of Rory Calhouns. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen any of those? No. Oh, uh, yeah. While well, we were still in university. Our friend Scott and I would talk about them because every once in a while we'd catch them on TCM and like text each other because they're just these horrible, horrible films that Peter would never let happen now. Right. Of dogs and it's all dog puns and they're doing like a gangster film in eight minutes. So there's like dogs with their hands taped to steering wheels to pretend that they're dry. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It's I mean, that sounds like cruelty to animals. Well, they're not being hurt, but they are being exploited. Sure. So it's called dog exploitation for a reason. However, that has nothing to do with the apartment. So maybe <laughs> we should get back to the apartment because your apartment is getting warmer by the minute. Yeah, so, it yeah. is, and we have a lot of talking to do today. Yeah. Uh, 
at the end of the day, the apartment, I was actually exactly right. It's two hours and five minutes. Amazing. Uh, it's about a, a man who's trying to get ahead at business by letting the executives use his apartment to have affairs. Right. And he eventually starts a relationship with somebody who's also having an affair with an executive, so there's a love triangle, and it's Jack Lemmon. I was going to say, Jack Lemmon's in that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I will see it, and it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, it's on my PPR, I'll get to it. Yep. Just, I haven't yet. It's that weird kind of sad funny that the 60s does really, really well. Right. Okay. So. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, My number nine is Psycho. How can, I mean, how can it not be on one of our lists at least? Like yeah. it's it's a cinematic masterpiece. Again, like uh, two thousand one, it has been referenced in so many different things. Again, The Simpsons spoof it regularly. Yep. Uh, there's the one episode where it's where uh, there's like four seasons where there's a house that Skinner stares at exactly. and talks to his mother. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, and so I mean that's just direct from it. Like it's just yeah. There's the. They've used the psycho, the the violin music on a few different occasions. Yep. When Homer sees the the alien, there's, as he's walking home, he see, hears the psycho music and it's the the Springfield Philharmonic on their bus ride home, and they're yep. playing on the bus. Like it's just, it's so iconic. And I mean, it's Alfred Hitchcock. And Mel Brooks made an entire movie referencing Alfred Hitchcock movies, and center a centerpiece in High Anxiety is the psycho section. Is that right? Yeah. Um. What I didn't know about Psycho until I watched it, who's the the main the the, the female who gets killed? Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Yeah. I didn't realize that she got killed so early. Yeah. Like I didn't. Re- I thought it was a lot of like, I, I I knew enough about the movie. I knew Anthony Perkins, and you know, I, like I knew the the whole mother arc and everything like that. Like sure. I, I knew enough about it, and I knew that she died. But I thought it was like way later in the in the movie. I didn't realize it was so <laughs> soon. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like half. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's it's one of those movies where, like, everybody knows what happens, but they don't know that there's so much... There's so much more that follows. It's the fallout of this this murder. Right. It's it's remarkable. Um, yep. I remember... Yeah, it was... <laughs> I don't... I had... I, what do I add to that? Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Dave, you are right. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great movie. Just terrific. Um, cool. I watched it on a Saturday afternoon, I think, so it wasn't overly scary. But it's... I don't know that it's ever overly scary. No. It's its just a suspense thriller. Yeah, it's less of a horror and more of a suspense, which is cool. Right. And I mean, that's kind of what Alfred Hitchcock does best. It's not horror, it's suspense. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. My number nine is Juliet of the Spirits. Go on. <laughs> I was doing this list and I'm like, I wonder how many of these Dave has actually... Oh, no, that'll be on there. Nope. <laughs> no. So you're over two so far. Yes, but I have one of them on my PVR, so I'm over two, but yeah. with a very real chance of me seeing uh, a good chunk of these that you haven't yet. Yeah. 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 Juliet of the Spirits is very hard for me to describe, primarily because it's a Federico Fellini movie. If oh. you know anything about Fellini movies, you know exactly what I mean about having a hard time describing it. All right. Do you know anything about Fellini? <laughs> I feel like, well, I know who it is, and I feel like yeah. he's very artistic. And oh, like, yeah, it's art film. Yeah. This is art film to a T. Okay. Yeah. Well, is there much more that you need to say than it's an art film? Because... 
Uh, it's a 60s Italian art film done entirely in color, and you won't understand probably any of it the first time you see it. Awesome. I can't wait to watch this. But it's really, really good. Where did you see this movie? Where do I see all of these movies? It was on TCM. They were doing a Fellini night. Sure, that makes perfect sense. Uh, here, Here's the description that IMDb has, okay. just to save me some time of trying to justify what happens. Visions, memories, and mysticism all help a 40-something woman to find the strength to leave her cheating husband. That's, well, that's what it's about. That's a pretty bare-bones uh, uh, definition or yeah, like, that's explanation. A, that's the synopsis. Sure. That's... That's what Juliet of the Spirits is about. In a nutshell, that's what it's about, but it's right. so much more and so much more masterfully done. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then I look forward to seeing a text message from you saying you need to get your PBR <laughs> ready, because that's how this goes. Have you seen any Fellini movies? I don't... I'm guessing no. Okay. I might not start you on that one. Oh, That's okay. one that you work your way towards. Like, Eight and a Half, which was also shortlisted for me which is about a film producer trying to make a movie, might be a little easier to take to get you into middle period Fellini because there's three periods of Fellini. The fir- early stuff is pretty straightforward. Like, sure. there's a story to this. Right. Middle is where he kind of goes crazy. Okay. Uh, I feel like you've mentioned Eight and a Half before. I have. I'm sure we've talked about that one. Because yep. as soon as you said it, I was like, I know the name of that one. Yep. Anyway, Juliet of the Spirits, Sean's number nine. A okay. Okay. My number eight is Planet of the Apes. Good. Which worked out because that way you didn't have to put it on there. I, yep. I actually sent my list to Sean ahead of time this time. I was like, here's the ones that I'm picking because, A, you can either take some off your honorable mention or off your list. Which and, is what happened here. Yeah. yeah. And, B, it also shows I'm planning ahead. But also, I've seen way fewer movies from this decade than you. So it's like, here are the ones that I have to talk about. That gives you more options to talk about ones that, you know. You I'm don't not. know. Exactly. Yep. Uh... I saw it, it was within the last year that I've seen Planet of the Apes, finally. Yep. Um, after many years of me telling you you need to see Planet of the Apes. Well, and after many years of, again, references. God, The Simpsons, half my list they've referenced. <laughs> yeah. And they reference Planet of the Apes a ton. Before you got here to record this podcast, I was watching Stop the Planet of the Apes, I Want to Get Off, on YouTube. Amazing. Somebody's cut the whole thing together on you so you can just watch the musical on YouTube. It was Are you awesome. kidding me? Oh man. It's only like two and a half minutes, but still you get to see that part. It's like in my I think it's this week's I don't know, we've written so many Simpsons articles in the last however long that I can't remember which is which, but the one with the um uh Wild Barts Can't Be Broken. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be this week. This week. And somebody cut together all of the bloodening. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Including the preview, and it's like, they cut together the preview, and then every part of the bloodening. I'm like, this looks amazing! I love it when people do that. Yep. So, yeah, like, the Planet of the Apes is... That's what we were talking about, is the actual movie. Again, it's so iconic, and I, I, I felt like I knew a lot about the Planet of the Apes before I'd ever seen it. Oh, you definitely did. Yeah. So it was one of those ones, like, I didn't need to... I needed to see it in order to... To have said I've seen it, but right. I knew enough about it that I was like, oh yeah, I know what's happening here. I know that that he starts talking, and you know, the apes have to try and figure out what's going on. Exactly, it's weird. And... Yeah, and then you, they see the Statue of Liberty. Like I understand all of that. Way to spoil Planet of the Apes, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> A movie. Every movie we're talking about is fifty, sixty years old. Yep. So like ah. 
Well, The Simpsons technically spoil Planet of the Apes, too. Exactly. With the, oh my god, I was wrong song. Yeah. Well, and, and the one that I, I will perpetually go back to is in Homer Palooza. I had no idea that when he says, don't trust anybody over 30, that that was a Planet of the Apes reference. Yep. I thought it was just funny. Like, it was like just something that he came up with because then he's announcing Peter Frampton but like then I'm sitting there watching Planet of the Apes and he says don't trust anybody over 30 he's like what? yeah are you kidding me? no it's It's Planet of the Apes yeah (laughs) that's what's so wonderful when you watch old movies is you don't you don't know how many references there are in things today to stuff that you probably haven't seen, but the writers did. Yeah. You know that song that Martin sings? The trolley song? Trang, trang, clang, 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 clang goes the, the trolley. trolley. Yeah. yeah, that's from Meet Me in St. Louis, which I saw yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know it was from Meet Me in St. Louis. Is that in Burns' hair? Uh, yeah, that's where he's trying to impress yeah, okay. Mr. Burns. That's what he's singing, and then Nelson punches like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that song is a Judy Garland song from Meet Me in St. Louis. I had no idea, but she starts singing it on the trolley, and I'm just like, wow! <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's the beauty about these old-timey movies. Is yeah. it, like, Or when you see The Music Man, and you yeah. go, wow, this is, like, I've seen all of this in Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. So it's just, it's, it's remarkable when things like that can happen, and Planet of the Apes is so good for that. Yeah. So good for that. Not to mention Lyle Landley was essentially the music man right but yeah yeah, yeah it's uh yeah so it, it it had to it had to make it onto my list i really sure. wish my next one was the music man really <laughs> wish it was it's a, it's on my short list but uh, the next one for me is thunderball james bond yeah okay it was number one on my james bond list that i wrote on the website uh it's my favorite bond movie of all time okay so it has to be in my top 10 from this decade right i love thunderball Brilliant cinematography. That's fair. Um, That's one of the ones I haven't seen. Uh, Which one is that? Who who plays that? It's a Connery. It is okay. Oh yeah, because it's the sixties, right? (laughs) Goldfinger just about made it onto my list. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thunderball is after Goldfinger. It's the next one. Okay, I gotcha. That one I don't see that one on as like Goldfinger is on fairly regularly. Yeah, and unless they're doing like Spike TV or some somebody's doing like Thirty Days of Bond or whatever. Yeah, I don't. That one isn't on regularly, and so it's, it's a not, tough one to track down. I'm slowly working my way through all the Bonds. It's just, there's so many, and unless... Where I'm, are we at now? 25? Something like I that. Think 26? Yeah. Yeah. So unless unless I happen to know when it's going to be on, I never I never seem to catch Thunderball. That's fair. Um, this one's tropical. Uh, okay. It's Largo's the bad guy. It's a standard Bond plot, but sure. at the same, but the final, like the finale, is entirely done underwater, and that's ridiculous for this time. Cool. So I love Thunderball for all of the reasons that I wrote on the website. Right. So if you're interested in hearing more about me talk about James Bond, head to theguysfrom.com and look up the I've ranked every Bond movie. Oh yeah, you did that. I sure did. When um, the latest one came out. I was going to say Quantum of Solace, but that's way wrong. That's, yeah, that's not it. I can't remember what that new one was called. Have you seen it? Spectre? Yeah! It's called Spectre. Right. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Skyfall was better. But... Okay. I'm two for four. I've seen... Casino and... Casino and Skyfall. Skyfall. Yeah. I've seen some of Quantum, but not... It was okay. Yeah, I think I saw the ending of it. It was like... Uh, as I've far seen... as the Craig what, 4 go, that's probably the weakest. Yeah, and I've seen the important part. I saw the... 
like the climax. So I was like, yeah. cool. Spyfall was so good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Anyway, that'll be on our lists later. <laughs> yeah. It'll be on mine, I'm pretty sure. That's fair. Casino Royale might be on mine. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Thunderball. Thunderball. Talking about Thunderball. Right. Underwater. That sounds amazing. What yeah. a cool... What a cool... like. So it's like a fight scene or like a... Yeah, it's a fight scene underwater. That sounds awesome. Some people complain like the criticism at the time and why it's probably not as well remembered as Goldfinger is it can be confusing especially if you have trouble with color. Like, if you're colorblind, it might be very difficult oh, at the end. But it can be difficult if you're not really paying attention who's on what side, because it's an underwater fight. So right. they're in wetsuits. So you have to know what's... You have, like, if you can follow it... Okay. But it... I have no problem. Cool. It's a great story. It's so quintessentially Bond. Nice. So... Nice. I will definitely check that one out when I, when I next can. Yeah. My number seven... Seven. Is the good, the bad... Well, on here I have the good, the bad, etc. Because I was just shortlisting it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been amazing if you didn't know the whole title. And I had to look it up. The good, the bad, and... Oh, well, hang on. I, I can't seem to figure out what this is. I just cut the corner here. So give me a second. Let's pause this. The good, the bad, and the dollars? <laughs> the good, the bad, and the No, that can't be right. Anyway. Of the, the Man With No Name trilogy, it's easily the best. The Sergio yep. Leone... Clint Eastwood movies. Um, fistful of dollars, few, few dollars more. They're okay, but there's like this one is kind of the culmination of them, and it's just it's. I mean, you've got um, Eli Wallach as the ugly, and you've got Levon Cleef as the bad, and mm-hmm. and Clint Eastwood who is the good, and like this movie is on all the time. Yeah, and I love watching it when it's on that bridge. I mean, there's what is it about bridges bl- blowing up, like. Although, I can't talk about the bridge on the River Kwai because my stupid PVR ruined that one before I... I told you about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I have that one PVR now, too, so I can start from the beginning and watch it all. But, like, I have yet to see the bridge blow up, <laughs> which is infuriating. But Watch it before up, we do the 50s. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Is that from the 50s? Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, when the when the bridge blows up in in the good, the bad, and the ugly, like it's a great explosion scene. Yeah, it and is. Like everything about it. Like I don't know. It's it's n- spoiler alert to the rest of the list. I guess it's not the only western on here. Um, wow. I know. <laughs> Shocking, right? In an era of so many good westerns. Yeah. It has to be. And like, as someone who likes westerns, exactly. You just kind of figured it was coming, but yeah, it's like. The the relationship between Blondie and Tuco is so good, and Levon Cleef plays such an awesome antagonist. I guess, yeah, like a villain. I don't know what like. Is there a villain? Kinda. If you had to pick one, I guess it would be him because he's the bad. But he's not really a villain. He's just a rotten human being. Yeah, it's not like Largo. It's yeah, no, Largo's evil. Yeah, whereas <laughs> Levon Cleef is just another guy who wants this money. Yep. So it's... Oh, man. I, I watch this movie all the time, and there's sometimes, like... It's long. I think it's two and a half hours. Easy. Like, it's, yeah. it's it's a marathon to get through, and often I'll come through, you know, when they're already bombing the hell out of the, the village and leave on... Or, and uh, Tuco's in the bath, and, like... Like, so I don't often get to see it from the beginning, but sure. it is very well done. And that, that final Mexican standoff, one of the best scenes... In, in my opinion, in cinema history. Like, it's just so iconic. Yep. So, and everybody knows the song. Yeah. Which has almost become more iconic than the film itself. Absolutely. 
I think more people nowadays know the song and they probably know where it's from, but they've never seen the movie. Yeah. I like, can that. you say? Can you tell me the synopsis of the good, the bad, and the ugly? No. Can you whistle the song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. It superseded the movie, which is too bad. Yeah. But it some happens. people just don't dig on westerns. They'll remake it. It'll be absolutely fine. absolutely they will. They will hundred percent do that. Uh, <laughs> my number seven is the Manchurian Candidate. Okay. I haven't seen it. Tate. I know of it though. Over four. I know. Are you surprised? <laughs> oh, I. Had, I was thinking Thunderball was your shoe-in. Oh, really? I was. Well, because it's a Bond movie. So, like, if Dave has seen any of the bottom four, because you would have told (laughs) me about the apartment. Yeah, I would have. It would be the Bond movie. Yeah. Maybe not The Manchurian Candidate. It's a Frank Sinatra movie, but it's not in the sense that you're probably thinking. It's not like a... It's not like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is like a suspense thriller about a man being brainwashed by communists to carry out an assassination plot. It's a thriller. It's very twisty. And I can't talk about it because... You'll ruin anything. Yeah. Interesting. Because I've heard of that. It was remade in 2004 with Leif Schreiber, I believe. I was going to say, because I remember... I'm sure there's been one that's come out again. Yep, they've remade it. How's the remake? It's okay, but it's not It's just not... Right. It's... It's hard when you try and take it into a more modern setting. Sure. As opposed to Heart of the Cold War. Right. Because Heart of the Cold War, there is that, like, Soviet brainwashing, like, sleeper agent kind of worry thing. Like, I get Homeland sort of does that modern, but... But it's not... It's not the same. No. We... We... The United States and, and to a lesser extent, Canada lived in fear of the Soviets for 30, 30 years. Yeah. That's a real thing. Whereas, like, yeah, we we there's threat of terrorism and stuff like that, but it's not it's not the same. It's not. And so I feel like if they were going to remake it, it would have made more sense to still set it in the fifties, just yeah. with kind of modern, just be, because it still rings true. I guess I don't know. Yeah, that's so, that. I totally know yeah. what you're saying. Like, it's it's hard to to modernize something of that. Ilk. And even if you do set it, you can never really capture the same feeling sure. that a movie in that period with that tech, all right. of that sort of thing. Cause it's like, this is the way people probably feared it could happen. Right. And it's happening to Frank Sinatra. So you're and like, he's just so, yeah. he's like America's all American, bad boy. Yeah. yeah. Or good boy. Or like, I don't know. I just read a, a chapter in the book I'm reading and like, and Frank Sinatra had a had a part to play in this chapter, and like, ah. it's, it's amazing. Apparently, the guy was just crazy. Oh yeah, but like super fun to hang out with, but also kind of terrifying to hang out with. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he had a he had a theater, and they'd go and watch movies in his in his home theater. And then at one point, he'd be just like, "Okay, everybody, shut up. We're gonna listen to opera." And he would stand there and like conduct opera. And if somebody tried to leave, he'd basically like ostracize them. Yep, pretty much. Amazing. What a character. Yeah. That's one way to put it. <laughs> uh, my number six is Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Atomic Bomb. Yep. Kubrick had to be on here somewhere. Yeah. Because it's Kubrick, and I freaking love this movie. That's fair. Um, it's dark again, and references funny. everything. You see it everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Simpsons, yes. again, have referenced yeah. it. It's dark, it's twisted, it's Peter, Peter Sellers. Sellers. Oh, uh, what's the who, uh, the guy who plays Patton? Um, George, George C. Scott. Scott. Like, and the day of the dolphin. Right. 
My bad. I always forget the day of the dolphin. Talking dolphins are going to be trained, <laughs> and then they will be used by terrorists to blow up the president's yacht. It writes itself. <laughs> and, lest we forget the short, man getting hit by football. Yeah. Like, Oscar-winning short. Oscar-winning short. Um, Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> ah, my drawing! There's been a lot of Simpsons references already. Yeah. Makes sense. Because the writers during the golden age of the Simpsons, grew up watching all of these movies. Yeah, it's been it, it's been amazing. So yeah, I mean, like, James Earl Jones is in it. He's really young in this. Like, yep. it's, it's just, it's kind of terrifying just because of the idea that this, something like this could have happened. Yeah, easy. And it could have just set the chain reaction off that destroyed the, the world. Like, and just how close, you know, coming off of talking about the Manchurian Candidate in the Cold War. Like, it yep. seems to... You know, it's a good little stepping stone to this, and just like how close we were to the tipping point. Yep. And you know, one one person goes off the deep end and sends you know the attack codes, and all of a sudden, that's that's the end of it. So it's just it's. But it's funny. But it's funny. But it's and very it, funny. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, and it kind of shows the futility of war and like just the absurdity of of some of the like the chain of command and everything like that. And, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's great, and I mean that. One of the the last scene of Slim Pickens riding that nuclear bomb, uh, just might again be more iconic than the movie. Absolutely, more people probably know that than gentlemen. There's no fighting in here; it's a war room. Yeah, like it's yeah, exactly. Or Peter Sell, you know, <laughs> or Peter Sellers is the as the the German, uh, the former Nazi scientist. Yeah, the former Nazi scientist. He's now the German ambassador, I think. Like <laughs> standing, my Führer, I can walk. Like it's just. Oh my god, he's so good in that movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it, and it's black and white. I mean, despite the fact that there was color movies, it, like, there's something so perfect about it being black and white. Yeah. I don't know, it's just, it's a it's a great movie. Well, it, it was still a time when that was a choice, mm-hmm. right? Like, in the, I mentioned it when we were talking about Clank, Clank, Clank goes the trolley, but Meet Me <laughs> in St. Louis, 1944, Technicolor. Yeah. Right? Like, Wizard of Oz was in color, mostly. So it was still a choice, which I think is sort of coming back, thankfully. Yeah. Because there's a few things, like, the artist was in black and white. Mm -hmm. Nebraska was in black and white. There's a few things that are choosing to go black and white. I mean, that was... I think that was a lot of budget as well. That was a necessity more than anything, but yeah. But yeah, like, there's something to be said about black and white film. Yeah. And it's... I, I like when people make that choice because I do appreciate... Yeah, it's like... I think about How Green Was My Valley. Yeah. And, like, because that was black and white, right? It was. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that... It, so it's like you didn't... I think they made that choice as well because they didn't want it to look like... Because it had to look like whales and they filmed it in California or something. Oh, they sure did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we... But it looks like whales. Exactly. It looks like a coal mining town in yeah, Wales. So it's you like, make it black right. and white and it's like you don't you don't know. Yeah. So sometimes it, there is a, a pretty Some good Some like it hot it. does not work if it's in color. Sure. You cannot make Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon look like passable women in color. Right. As opposed to how they look in black and white. Black right. and white? Yeah. You buy it. Sure. You haven't seen it, have you? No. Can't wait for the 50s list. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be sweet. My number six is a movie you haven't seen. What? Just to brace yourself for that. Uh, it's called Advise and Consent. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sure you haven't seen it. I haven't even heard of it. Uh, it's a two-and-a-half-hour-long film about a Senate investigation of the president's newly nominated Secretary of State, which 
what it does is it does its political intrigue for two and a half hours of showing why he was put up, and it's slowly peeling away the layers of how both the nomination process, how like the inside of an administration works, and how they can run smoke screens to try and prevent how stuff happens. Whoa! Uh, this is like a Henry Fonda, okay, Lou Ayers movie. It's really good. Cool. What's it called? Advise and Consent. Advise and Consent. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I've never even heard of that. Okay. I can't I really mean, I'm help. Not, I'm not <laughs> shocked, but like, it's, I've heard of at least all your other movies, except for that. Except for Juliet of the Spirits. Except for the Fellini one, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of all of your other ones, except that other one. Yeah, and that, that, that other one besides that one. But I'm doing great as far as knowing most of the movies on your list. Well, we have some crossover coming. Whew! So you've seen those. Perfect. Uh, well, the second half of our list is brought to you by Gustav Kaibo's Racing Yachts. Make an impression at your next regatta with the real handcrafted old world style of Gustav Kaibo racing yachts. Using only the finest in turn of the century craftsmanship, your classic timber form yacht will draw the eye and the patron as you glide across the water. That's Gustav Kaibo's racing yachts, the often overlooked, never forgotten yacht. <laughs> and we're back! And it's my turn to keep going, so I'm just gonna jump right into it with yet! Another Western. Ooh. I know. Uh, this one is The Magnificent Seven. Okay. Uh, barely in the 60s, but in the 60s. Barely in the 60s. <laughs> Definitely wasn't shot in the 60s. No. <laughs> but released yeah. in the 60s. Oh, it counts. Yeah, which is great because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Steve McQueen as... I can't remember what his name is at the moment. It doesn't really matter. Just some sort of random name. And yeah. Yul Brenner. I mean, and then you had... Okay, so when I was in my second year of university, my one of my professors in, in one of my design professors loved List of Sevens. Okay, and so we would talk about we would come up with different lists of seven for him, like the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World and the Seven Hills of Rome and just everything like that. And so right. one day in the middle of class, he and I went back and forth like, okay, can we name all the Magnificent Seven without looking it up? I mean, this Ooh. is before before smartphones and everything, so it's like, yeah. okay, so it was. C. McQueen and Yul Brenner, those were the two gimmies. And then there was James Colburn. Yep. And then um, uh, Robert Vaughn. Yep. So it's like, okay, I got those ones. And then uh, Charles Bronson. Yep. So Brad Dexter was one that I, I always remember because I remember the name, not because I know a lot of his other stuff. Right. And then there's that weird guy, Horace Buckholz. He's like oh, yeah. the guy that everybody was touting as this new He's up and coming. He's the future. Yeah. And then what did he do after? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He did the Magnificent Seven and that was kind of it. He wasn't so magnificent. But, like, the first five guys that I named are all phenomenal actors and have done amazing things elsewhere. Yep. And, again, Eli Wallach is in that movie, and so everything about it is just... That's why they're remaking it. Yeah. I mean, I I did say I am kind of excited for that because I love Westerns and I love that movie. Yep. And I love the concept, but I don't... I don't know if it needs to be remade, but I will go see it because... Which is the exact argument I make about the Seven Samurai. That didn't need to be remade. No. Fine, make a Western out of it. Okay. So why not flip back and forth and make the new one another Samurai one? Yeah. Let Japan do it. Exactly. And then remake that. Exactly. (laughs) That's the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I don't know. Like I'll, I'm, I'm interested to see it. I love Chris Pratt and I love Denzel, so I'm, I, I'm sure it will be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, but the the original the the cast is so good. We've talked about it before about like how Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen were fighting on set and yeah, and Yul Brenner built his little hill of dirt and because he was the shortest actor, he was the shortest and he was giving this rousing speech and Steve McQueen just kept kicking little chunks of dirt out from under it. So by the end of it, he was short again. It's just like. All these little things that happen that people don't necessarily know about are... That's what make movies like this so good. Yep, exactly. Um, Quick synopsis for people who haven't seen it. There's a Mexican village that is getting overrun by bandits, led by Eli Wallach. And so they come to the States to try and buy guns, but instead they they get these seven gunfighters to come and help them protect their village. That's the long and the short of it. Yep. It's two and a half hours of them trying to protect this village and it's not all gunfights and everything but it's really well done yeah um it's a as i know i i always talk about it being a remake sure it's a good remake it is and it also shortens down seven samurai by like an hour and a half so totally (laughs) seven seven samurai is almost four yeah i think i've got that one on my pvr too but i was like i need four hours to watch this movie it's so good long time but it's a day project yeah it's like one of those ones where it's a a winter, snowy winter day, and it's like... And it's dark at, like, 6? Yeah. Like, okay, great. I have 6 till 10. Yeah. I will watch The Seven Samurai. So it's just kind of living on there until I have a day like that, or even, like, a rainy day where it's just like, it's gloomy at 2 o'clock. Yep. I don't want to do anything. I can't mow my lawn. I can't go outside. My dog's asleep. Seven Samurai. So... And my dog wakes up, take my dog for a walk, come back, watch the next two hours, exactly. make dinner. I'll go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll it'll happen. Cool. But yeah, so the Magnificent Seven, yet again another Western because I love them and forever on this list somewhere. Yeah, sure. Yeah, my number five is the Birds. Ah, uh, yes. I figured would... it was going to be on there. Yep. As you were talking about Psycho, mm-hmm. but also I prefer the Birds to Psycho. And I haven't seen all of the Birds. I've seen bits and pieces and enough to know again what it is and we've written sketches referencing it it, and and the simpsons have spoofed it i need a i need a bird feeder no not that big or i need the biggest bird bird feeder you can get is the is it a bird feeder i think so. hans molman is in the it's in the phone booth and he's this never would have happened if we went to the to the bird sanctuary yeah it's just there's another hitchcock movie that can be referenced over and over and over again what's the the song just Rissledy Rossledy? Rissledy Rossledy, yeah. Yeah. Like the creepiest kid song to be sung ever. But if you had, if you had never seen the birds, you'd just be like, oh, it's like a nursery rhyme song. They're totally. just singing it. Okay, yeah. great. But no, it's it's Tippi Hedren sitting there and like birds are gathering. Didn't you have that as a cell phone ring for a while? For a little bit, yep. yeah. Just because? <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> you're weird like that? Yep. <laughs> it's the birds. It is. Uh, quick synopsis for people who haven't seen it. Birds start attacking everything. Yeah. Done. Pretty much. That's the movie. And it's just creepy and good and black yep. and white and just deadly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in color, but that's okay. Is it? Yeah, because she's wearing green. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Disregard that last statement. Good try, though. Thanks. You know what movie isn't in black and white, but is on my list? Yes. Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> I love Paul Newman. It's just... I know. I think we established that last list as well. Because I Weren't talked about three the Sting. three Paul Newman movies on your top? Because you had talked about Slapshot, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, basically, if Paul Newman made the movie, although The Hustler is not on the, on my list, and it was close. And I was okay. Like, I like The Hustler. Not enough to, to crack the list, but um, Cool Hand Luke is so good. It was one of those movies, I had never seen it, but I bought it sight unseen. I bought it on DVD. It was like 10 bucks or something. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to watch this, and I plugged it in, and it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, like, so you walked into the store, you're like, what is the best movie about a man eating too many hard-boiled eggs? And they're just like, well, <laughs> you've got this one, or Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> exactly. Um, Paul Newman Luke goes to, that's his name in the movie, Paul Newman Luke? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so Luke goes to goes to jail, basically, like, he originally goes, for, goes to jail for cutting off, like, cutting parking meters. Yep. Um, but I mean, that's basically his crime was being a nonconformist. Like he just didn't adhere to the man's rules and it's basically one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but a decade earlier and in prison instead of an asylum. Yeah. Essentially. essentially. And like, yeah, actually it is. Um, and then he goes to a work camp and it's just what he does when he's at the work camp and the people that he meets and like just how he endears himself to the other prisoners and, yep. and everybody loves him and like uh have you seen the last castle that movie with robert redford and james gandolfini and mark ruffalo i think i saw it on tv okay but it's kind of yeah robert redford plays a, a general who goes to a uh army prison i guess okay um not well okay. i think so but not it hasn't stuck with me well enough right. to be able to be like, yeah, yeah, and then this happens. Uh. Sure. Anyway, there's one scene where Robert Redford's character gets in, in crap for something, and so he just has to... So there's this rock pile, and he's, he spends all day just hauling rocks from this rock pile. And then he gets, and he hauls the last one, and they're like, well, your work detail isn't done, so he just starts hauling them back. And I'm pretty sure that's... It's not a direct ripoff, but, like, in Cool Hand Luke, there's one scene where Luke does something to get in trouble, and so they just make him dig a hole. Yep. And then he finishes digging the hole, and they're like, why have you dug this hole? Put all that dirt back in, in the hole. And so he he fills the hole back up, and then they're like, why is there dirt in Boss's hole? Get that dirt out. And, like, literally, he just digs a hole and empties it, and digs a hole and empties it. Like, digging a hole for more digging. Exactly. <laughs> that, like... Yeah. Like, and there's the hard-boiled egg scene. Everybody has heard of that hard-boiled egg scene. There's yep. a... Malcolm in the Middle spoofed it, because... There was the 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 oldest son Francis. Yeah, he went to he was at some military academy and he ate like fifty like marshmallow peeps or oh, whatever. Oh, I it was. remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't I hadn't seen Cool Hand Luke at that point, but I knew what they were referencing. And then I saw the actual the actual movie. There's a fairly good boxing scene in it too. There is. Yeah, yeah. Where he and George N- Nelson, George something. He was the he was in. Um, well, I know exactly who you're talking about. I yeah. can see him, but... I, it's not George Nelson, because that's Babyface, but... Uh, oh, I can't remember. It does. It, Sean's looking it up. So, he's also the guy from, like, The Naked Gun. He Kennedy. plays George Kennedy. He plays the, the police, chief, police chief in The Naked Gun movies. Yep. And, um, he's actually in a lot. He is in a lot, and you don't kind of... You really don't realize it. And the guy who plays Trapper John in M.A.S.H. is in this movie. Like, there's a bunch yeah. of people in this movie, but there's the one scene where right at the beginning where... Um, they're kind of giving Luke the gears, and they so Luke and and uh, George Kennedy's character, who's I think Dragline, I think is his name, or Dragnet, or Drag something. I think mm. it's Dragline. They're boxing, 
and George Kennedy's character just kicks the crap out of Luke. Well, because he has, like, what, four inches of reach and, and like, 80 pounds? Yeah, I was going to say 100 pounds, but, like, a ton of weight on him, too. So he just smokes Luke, but Luke just keeps getting up and going after him, and it's a great scene. Yeah. And that movie, the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, yep. a lot of that is, like, not directly pulled from, but, like, there's a scene where Eddie Murphy fights a big guy, and he just kind of keeps up and keeps getting up and fighting. Like, there's a lot of parallels between life and Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, you could, well, you see Cool Hand Luke influence in a lot of prison movies. Absolutely. Like, you can see some in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons, obviously. Even Shawshank has, you, once you've seen Cool Hand Luke and you rewatch Shawshank, you're just like, oh, yeah, okay. Part of it is because that's just the prison of the time. Sure. But at the same time, it's just, they've made similar choices. Yeah, exactly. So, Great movie. My number four is one that Dave's seen. Because <laughs> it's Dave's number three. <laughs> That's <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Another Paul Newman movie. Yep. I can't stop talking about Paul Newman. Good. Uh, oh, I wish you would have milked that pause a little bit longer, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. That was co- rife for comedy. <laughs> I love I love the, the Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid story. I Probably saw this, my favorite Western. It's my favorite. Well, not maybe not my favorite, but up there. Yeah. For sure. Um... Speaking of someone who doesn't really like westerns, sure. like I don't mind them, yeah. but I'm not going out of my way to watch westerns. Yeah. But I like this. I own this. That means yeah. something. Well, because it's not just it's not your typical western. It's definitely not. It's a western, but like there's there's it's it, a '60s western. Yeah, they're not trying to show you a tale of the old west. They're like using this as a parable. Yeah, to the nonconformist sort of outlaw bandity feel of the 60s. Yeah. Rejecting society, going to Bolivia to make their fortune, blah, 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 blah. There you go. It's it's really well done. It's funny. Yeah. The, the I mean, it's it's the second time you see uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford together. Mm-hmm. Catherine Ross is great in it. Yep. Um, that's pretty much everybody that you know. Yeah, like there's much. there's some of the guys in the Hole in the Wall gang you've seen in other Butch Ca- in other Paul Newman movies and sure. like the guy who runs the the tin camp or the tin mine I think that's where they're working or the silver mine in in Bolivia he's yeah. been in other things like he plays the the general manager of the the chiefs in Slapshot like right he's been in other things but unless you've seen these sixties movies these sixties and seventies movies you may not recognize these guys exactly but they're those are the three that you'll recognize, and they're so good, and it's funny, and it's charming, and you love Butch and Son. It's technically they're bad guys because they rob trains and they, you know, they're they're thieves and they rob banks, but they're so they never really hurt anybody. No, other than like maybe the guys that are chasing them, like Posse. Yeah, sure, but they like they're but not like, hurting Marks. No, they're not. They're not hurting. Like there's Woodcock. He's the guy in the in the train when they're robbing it, and like they feel bad when they blow up the the door with him behind it, and he's basically maimed because of it. Yeah. But it's not. They're not. They're not doing it to hurt him. They're doing it to get to the safe. He's just being kind of a cowboy. Yep. Um. Like in the banks, when they're robbing the banks, they don't. They're not shooting or anything. They're just like they've got the guns out, but they're not. If they don't have to hurt anybody, they're not going to. No. So that's what makes them so endearing. It's a Robin Hood story in the Old West. Yeah. Where it's a couple of friends doing it. Mm -hmm. I could do, and the reason it's lower for me, lower for me, it's number four, which is still pretty good, but the reason it's not higher for me is I could do without the bicycle scene. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah. I get why it's there, but I don't need the full Burt Baccarat for two and a half minutes of them just, like, kind of sitting around and Paul Newman riding a bicycle in a figure eight. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it is it is kind of a very weird scene. Yeah. There's a couple moments, there's that, and then, like, when we see them on the steamship to Bolivia, there's, like, a montage of them gambling and eating and stuff like that. It's okay. It's fine, but I don't need it. No, and I, I get that, and I, I don't either, but... It's still four on my list of, and it'll make my top hundred, I'm sure. It's just, that is probably why it's not higher on this list. Sure. Just because there are those few moments. Have you ever listened to the some of the director commentary? No. Oh, he's so bitter. <laughs> it's so funny. Dave, you have to do it once. Just, just watch the movie with the director commentary? If there's director commentary, or if there's just like a behind the scenes, like featurette featuring the director, just complain about everything for like 15 <laughs> minutes amazing that sounds terrific oh she looks terrible in this shot <laughs> look at that squib that squib doesn't even go off on time i don't even know why i shot it this way <laughs> it's just like okay uh, i like people who are that candid it's just like yeah this is how i feel yeah perfect great yeah so that was my number four Subsequently, my number three. So now we're to your number three. My number four, your number three. My number three is higher on your list, so we have to skip up. Ooh. Okay. And we'll talk about it later. Okay. So, so it's your my number, number two. two. Okay, so is my number two your number three? So no. my number one is your number three. Yes. Okay. Uh, my number two is To Kill a Mockingbird. Of course it is. Is anybody at all shocked a- about this? Anyone who knows <laughs> you would not be. The listeners... Maybe a little bit? But I've talked about the book. I've talked about my dog. I've talked about my love of the story. You enough. reviewed Go Set a Watchman for the website? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like anybody who has listened regularly enough, like anybody who's tuned in the last couple of weeks, probably doesn't know. Yeah. Anybody who's listened to us fairly regularly knows how much I love this story. They might be surprised <clears throat> this is two. Absolutely. Like... Full disclosure, it almost didn't make the list because I forgot to rate it on IMDb. Ooh. And so I was going through movies of the 60s like, oh, it's a good thing I did this. I would have caught that. Absolutely. When you sent me the list to go through it, I would have sent you something back. It's like, I know I give you a lot of stick about the ham, but I'm pretty sure you like To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Now, what Halloween are you going as Scout dressed as a giant ham? Because you have to do it that at some does point. That seem like a good thing to do. You have to do it Maybe at some point. Maybe this year, because like I'm killing it Halloween costumes-wise the last couple of years. And I feel like this would be a really good year, because I'm yeah. not dating anybody, so I don't have to worry about a couple's costume. There you go. Yeah. And if you are dating somebody at Halloween, have them go as Boo. There you go. Boo Radley and you're the ham. I like it. Or maybe I can make her go as the ham and I can go as Boo Radley. I'm pretty sure you need to be the ham. <laughs> what if? What if? We'll talk about the movie eventually, but we're yeah. going to stick with the ham for now. Yep. I have a dog named Scout. Right. What if I put her in a ham costume? That would be adorable. <laughs> but how many Halloween parties do you take your dog to? Well, none. But it's my sister's place, so I probably could get away with it. But True. I mean... The only problem with wearing a ham costume is that it's really big and cumbersome. Yeah. I'd have to have, like, a little trapdoor or something so I could drink beer through it. Didn't she... Wasn't her face mostly exposed? No, I it think just it was her just eyes. eyes. Oh, yeah. it was just a slat of... Yeah. yeah. You could easily just Just have manufacture a face something. It. Yeah. You're gonna have to make your own ham, Dave. It's true. There's no pre-made ham <laughs> scout costume. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously, you can't just go into some Halloween pop Call up the store. Prom shop. <laughs> Do you guys still have that ham from To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> Get a crate in the mail. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, it is one of the most iconic stories of the 20th century. Yeah. Most people had to read the book for for school. Yeah. And those who didn't some some read it by themselves. Some some I'm sure some people have seen the movie. Um it's it's a very well done adaptation of the book. It is. Yeah. Gregory Peck is. plays a tremendous Atticus Finch. Yep. Uh it's about civil rights in the 60s, 50s. Well, no, cuz it was written in the 60s, so this would have been like Great Depression era. Yeah, so this would have been the 30s. 30s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's Gregory Peck defends a black man despite the fact that he might, like, he knows that he's going to lose because he's a black man in Alabama. Yep, that's essentially the long and the short of it. And it's the kids dealing with the fallout and well, yeah, because it's the '30s in Alabama, so him defending a black man doesn't go over so no. well with some of the citizens. Exactly, Reed? it's that would be citizenry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there's no. I could fanboy about it all day, but every I've done that enough. I don't, I don't need to. It's just it's to kill a mockingbird. Now, did you learn any useful information about killing mockingbirds by watching the film? No, no. It had it had all kinds of information, like you know, sure it had a great moral, like how to love your fellow man, but it didn't teach me anything about killing mockingbirds. That's my biggest problem yeah. with it. <laughs> In fact, it says you shouldn't kill mockingbirds. Yeah. He is he is explicit about that. When he says you can shoot all the the squirrels and and gophers you want, but it's a sin to kill a mockingbird because all they do is sing for you. Damn it! And I don't even we don't have mockingbirds here anyway. No, we don't. So you know. But if I ever take a gun down to Alabama, <laughs> hello, I'm from Alberta. Do you have any mockingbirds I can shoot? <laughs> Sounds like a sketch. It does sound like a sketch. Uh, this movie never really makes my lists. I like it, but sure, I don't know. It's like it's fine. Um, to me, the biggest thing is because I love the book so much, but also because the way Gregory Peck portrays Atticus Finch—he's the best part. Yeah. Oh, without question, There's, he won like, the Oscar for it. Of course, yeah. of course, he like he was phenomenal. Um, he. That's as close as I have to my grandfather, because my grandfather died when I was four. Okay. And so I remember my grandpa, and he was a lawyer, and he had, like, that deep Gregory Peck voice. And, like, so there's a lot of parallels to... There's a connection there. Exactly. And so to me, one of the reasons why I love it as much as I do is because it's as close to my grandfather as I can get. Okay. And I still have that ability, like, I still have that thing to hold on to. Yeah. And so that's why it's always so high on my list. And that's completely fair. I think for me, part of it is we did, like, a set of films and books that were about, like, courtroom cases. And, like, we did Inherit the Wind at the same time. Oh, yeah, okay. So we we did a whole bunch of that all kind of at the same time. Yeah. And I prefer Inherit the Wind... It's a great story. ...as a story. Yeah. And that film, too, To Kill a Mockingbird, but Gregory Peck is better than anyone in Inherit the Wind. So it's just... Yeah. I think that's why it never really clicked. It's... It would probably make... It's, like, an 8.5 out of 10 for me. So it's still a great rating. It's just... Inherit the Wind, I found... I saw a production of it recently, and it, I found the first half is really slow when you're kind of getting to meet... The, I mean, in the in the stage production. I don't know be, about yeah. that. No, it, the it movie, is a little slow. It but takes its time to get going, but once you kind of get into the into the trial... 
How long was the theater production? Two hours. Yeah, the film's like an hour and a half to 80 minutes. Oh. So they get you into the courtroom. The courtroom's where the time is. Which is, that's the way it should be. It's, yeah. And it's... That's that court. That trial is so good. Such a good trial. Yeah, and like how he kind of like the way he leaves that trial. Oh, yeah, it's it's really well done. I really like that story. I still need you to see Anatomy of a Murder. Okay, which will be on the fifties list. Great. Uh, I don't know if it's coming up at all, but if you see it for like a dollar or something, because it is, and you'll recognize the references immediately because it's what the chicken lawyer from Futurama is based on. This is what every impression of Jimmy Stewart is based on. This character, right? That he plays. And it's just, it's so good. Cool. Uh, what's your number two? In the Heat of the Night. Okay. Go on. Nothing? No. We're back to this time of kind of top ten. <laughs> is that Sidney Poitier? It is. Yes! It's Norman Jewison. Okay. Um, it's Rod Steger. It's an African-American police detective is asked to help investigate a murder in a racially hostile southern town. Oh, okay. In, I think it's set in present day, so that would be 66, 67. Okay. And they couldn't actually film it where the film takes place because Sidney Poitier would not be allowed to work there. So they had to shoot it in the north. Jeebus. And yeah, so it came out in 67. Best Picture winner. It's, okay. It's amazing. Uh, Mr. Tibbs. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Oh, okay. That line, that's yeah. from this. Oh. That's where, this is where the Mr. Tibbs character comes from. He's a, like a Philadelphia detective. Okay. Who's traveling through the South to get back home, and then there's a murder. He's arrested for it because he's black, and then they kind of have to, he's better at all of the police work than the everybody else is, and it's kind of the sheriff. Again, both of our number two is dealing with racial tensions sure. in the South. The sheriff is having to is starting to recognize what's wrong with what's going on and also see Detective Tibbs as, like, a, a brilliant... A and not as a... And a brilliant right. detective. <laughs> cool. But he doesn't, like, where can he stay in this town? Sure. And there's all of that tied together with the fact that everyone treats him terribly, but he's the one who's probably going to help fix this. Right, right. Interesting. Really good. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, obviously I know it because I knew it was, it was like... I knew it was Sidney Poitier. Like, I yeah. knew that it was... I've heard of this and know enough about it, but it's just one that I've never seen. Yeah. See, and that's the trick with how long these lists last. If you have seen the movies on my list, we can talk more, like we just did about To Kill a Mockingbird. Totally. Whereas when you've seen two, three, maybe, of ten... Yeah. Three of twelve... There's only... So There's only so much about. I can say. If you're planning on seeing this, I don't, like... Well, and that's exactly it. And I feel bad for our listeners, but at the same time, sometimes we can have shorter podcasts. It's also getting really warm in here, so... Yeah. It, we're still at, like, an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. So it, it's not that short. Yeah. Uh, okay, my number one... Yep. ...which is your number three... Yep. ...is The Great Escape. Yep. Steve McQueen, again. Charles Bronson, again. James Coburn, again. Yeah. Um, and then we get into the Richard Attenborough, Richard Attenborough, Donald Pleasance, and no, who Donald Pleasance? Oh, Donald Pleasance. I, th- yes. I was thinking of Donald, Donald Sutherland. I no, was thinking Donald Pleasance who, is in this. Who's Donald? Is he uh, the Forger? Oh, okay. And then um, uh, James Garner. <laughs> yeah, and, like it's just it. Sorry, I was thinking of. <laughs> no, I'm a hundred percent sure he's. I was in thinking this. like I heard Donald. And all I could think about was Donald Sutherland. It's like, no, he's not in this movie, you dumb dummy. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> it's it's allied 
prisoners of war who try to escape from this Nazi prison camp. Yep. That's the long and the short of it. It's phenomenal. Massive cast. Massive cast. As we were cast. just detailing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been spooked on The Simpsons The in your favorite episode. Yeah. Ayn Rand's School for Tots. Maggie does a is basically the Cooler King. Yeah. Which is Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. Yeah. There's the motorcycle jump over the fence, which is ridiculous. There's, like, it's it's based on a true story. It's touching. It's charming. It's sad. It's funny. Like, yep. it has everything. I saw this... I mean, we talked about it in, in Best Surprises. Yeah, exactly. We just talked about this in the last five podcasts or something like that. Maybe a little recent, bit more. But, but it, like, it's been recent. Within the last couple months. Like, yep. why do I need to rehash this? It's just that good. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Yep. My number one is Lawrence of Arabia, because it's always going to be Lawrence of Arabia. It is a brilliant and beautiful film. Peter O'Toole is amazing in it. Right. Another one that you've told me enough about, and we've talked about it before, and it's also on my PBR, but it's also three and a half hours long. Oh, and it is. Yeah. So it's another one. (laughs) Like, I have all these movies, and I'm like, I'm going to watch them. But they're really long. Yes, they are. They are really, really long. Yep. So it's just like, it's not for lack of wanting to, it's for lack of time. Exactly. So I will get to Lawrence of Arabia. I love the idea. I love the story. It's that, about like, T.E. Lawrence, a British man who's in Arabia. <laughs> there you go. Ta-da. During the Second World War? First. First. Right. But, Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The cinematography is amazing. You all know the music already, even if you haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia. You definitely know the music. And again, as we've said it about almost every movie so far, the Simpsons spoof it. When Homer and Apu are going to the airport riding the donkeys, because you think they're already in India, but they're not. They're just riding donkeys because Apu couldn't afford tickets. That's the Lawrence of Arabia music. Nice. There's... Train attacks, sweeping attacks by Arabian horse, like, cavalry. Like, it's just... It's Stunning. so good. Yeah. Omar Sharif's great. Like, it's just... Cool. It's my number one. Yeah. So, It's yeah. gotta be good. Like, there's a lot of good movies on your list, and this is number one for a reason. Yep. And always probably will be for the 60s. There you go. Well, I guess that's it. You, Mr. and Mrs. Internet, or Miss, are the lifeblood of our podcast, And we want to answer your questions. Or just have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys From Podcast. Email us, guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Or Facebook us at The Guys From. Send us a raven to Castle Guys From. I like the fact that you had to say a reference that you don't get. I know. It really, really works. If you enjoy the Guys From Podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, tell strangers, find George C. Scott's Talking Dolphins and teach them the name of the podcast, then send them to talk to the president on his yacht. (laughs) Only you can help our podcast grow. Also, throw us a rating or review on iTunes. Everything helps us get out there. We are available on pretty much every podcatcher you can imagine, including Player FM, Podbean, and Stitcher, the innovative on-demand podcast app. Hey, Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? You guys, I just watched the new Star Wars movie. You finally saw it. You should check it it out. It's going to be huge. You heard it here first. It's going to be huge. 
technically, I suppose they would have heard it's going to be huge first in July here. Yeah. Probably. I'm only a year late. This new thing on Netflix is going to be amazing. I I finally saw it. Loved it. It's good, isn't it? It's really good. It only took me six months. That's why we've all been talking about it. I know. Now we can actually talk about it. (laughs) It's totally relevant now. Although, we will be probably doing something before Rogue One. Probably. And I will make sure to watch Rogue One. I, I'm more excited about Rogue One than I think I was about The Force Awakens, just Fair. because of the concepts. And so, like... But now that you've seen Force Awakens 8... Direct, oh, my God! ...directed by the guy who made Brick... Yes! <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. On our website, theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this swell podcast, we also write articles on things like music, indie music every Tuesday, and throwback tracks every Thursday, movies. We are still in the heart. We already mentioned it. We've talked about The Simpsons constantly, but we are doing the top 100 Simpsons episodes of all time. Whoa, where can I find all that again? www.theguysfrom.com. Oh, yeah! Also, head to iHorror.com for all of your horror news, interview, and review needs. And like I said, here's the list of all of the other films that were on my short list that didn't quite make it, but are also worth you guys checking out if you haven't already seen the 24 movies we just talked about. (laughs) All right, Dave, you ready? Yes. A Raisin in the Sun. Uh Uh-huh. The Throne of Blood. Okay. The Music Man. I've heard of that one. Cape Fear. Oh, the original? Yes. Okay. Sanjuro. Yes! There we go. Eight and a Half, which I mentioned already. The Haunting? No. The Sword in the Stone? Yes. There we go. The Spy Who Came In From the Cold? No. Dr. Zhivago? No. Othello? Maybe. The Sand Pebbles? No. A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum? Thank you. The Battle of Algiers, which I just wrote, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on theguysfrom.com. Oh, right, I right. I saw that, yeah. The Graduate. Uh, not yet, but I know all about it. The Plank. No. The Odd Couple. No. Rosemary's Baby. No. The Wild Bunch. Yes. There you go. And Battle of Britain. Okay. So check those out. Also, the one that I that I saw that I, I thought about, speaking of Othello, is Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah. That one's yeah. not bad, too. Special thanks to The Sweets for our great opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. Also, special thanks to Paul Newman for clearly making me love all these movies from the 60s 60s and 70s. I have mentioned it a few times, but I love the dude, so thank you for all he's done. This has been episode 125 of the Guys From Podcast. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Taking us up this week is Diatessaron and their song, Kite Strings. Remember, you can check them out on diatessaronband.com or their other site, diatessaron.bandcamp.com. Remember, if you have an original song that you would like us to feature at the end of our podcast, send us an MP3 or send us the link to your SoundCloud along with any information about your band that you would like us to pass along. We're big fans of the indie community, and we want to lend our support. Our email address, one more time, is guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing. It's really hot in here. Me and my vessel know I'm old and it's time to go Me and my vessel know and it's time to go Cause I was just passing through As people tend to do And my body's a glow And if you don't know It's a cobalt 60 blue
above the skies in mine eyes milky white and clean as the clouds crystallize